why do we cringe at old versions of ourselves? Is growth embarrassing? Would it be better that we were stagnant and exactly the same as we were before? Because I think it's actually good that we've grown, you know? And it's like normal that we feel distance from an old version of ourselves because that means we've changed and evolved. Welcome back to Let It Out. My name is Katie Delbout. If you're just diving in to this episode, this is a strange one to dive into. It's a very casual conversation with my dear friend, really family to me. We call her my non-birth mom, Sasha Jones. And she's been on the podcast several times. She comes back every year around my birthday and around the podcast's birthday. I started this show in March of 2013, but we'll just say for ease that the podcast and I share a birthday, but eight years of doing this podcast. Last year, we, around this time, the 300th episode came out. So if you're new, dive into the archive and we even have a podcast starter kit page that has different topics and different things that we've covered over the years in a really cohesive place. So I'll put that in the in the show notes. But this episode is different than our normal interviews where I'm talking to someone new or I'm showcasing a friend of mine. Sasha is a very close friend of mine. She's one of the most creative and wise and gentle people I know. And I love speaking with her. And this annual catch-up that we have ends up being a time capsule of what we've both been learning through the past year, through both the episodes of the show. I obviously record them and Sasha listens, which is so nice. And we also talk about what's been happening around us. And like most of us, Sasha and I have both had a very wild year personally and of course collectively. So we speak about ways that we've changed. We unpack some grief and we cover loss and closure and leaving New York. And it's not a completely heavy conversation. It's it's actually really sweet and definitely personal. And it might sound like you're eavesdropping on two friends catching up because that's really what it is. And it isn't all heavy. It's definitely light. And we talk about what we eat and we tell some stories. And I have her tell several stories that I love and things that she's taught me. And one of them is her getting her photo taken by Bill Cunningham while riding her bike in New York City. So buckle up. It's a it's a lovely conversation. And we didn't talk too much about the state of the podcast. Usually I kind of talk about what I want us to do in the future and reflect on what we've done the year past. And I didn't really get into that much this year. But I just want to say the thing that I'm most proud of in the last year is a group that I started in October called Creative Underdogs. And I'm renaming it to In Process and we're going to do a summer session. So I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to learn more about that. But basically it's an extension of this show. It's an extension of the podcast that allows for live community. And we bond over creativity and connection and intimacy and all the concepts that we are constantly covering here and just navigating the ups and downs of 
connecting with other people and connecting with ourselves and learning about ourselves and taking care of ourselves. And that's something that Sasha and I are constantly talking about. And she really encouraged me in starting this group. She leads workshops herself, which I'll link to in the show notes. She's someone to definitely connect with. She's actually leading one right now, which we talk about a little bit and I'll tell you more about as well. But I'm just so happy that I I started Creative Underdogs. A couple of guests of this podcast have been guests so far in Creative Underdogs every month. I have an artist conversation. And last week I, I did one with my friend Christine and I was at her house and I was just reflecting on how great it was to have community through this podcast. So I hope I get to meet many more of you through that or through the Instagram. It's let it out with three T's or in an internet sort of a way. And I would love your feedback on who you want to see on the podcast, what we're doing well, what you would like to see us doing more of. And to be so honest with you, I'd love to just say the best way you can support this podcast, this free podcast, if you like it, is by checking out the sponsors. So when you hear me talk about the sponsors, listen in and let me know if you have any questions about them. If you want to talk about them more, just trying them out helps so much. So if you have any questions on that, let me know. And without further ado, here's my dear friend, the very creative founder of Stickly Holistics, NYC certified wellness counselor who has been doing that for such a long time. She, this is Sasha, the guest you're about to hear. She officiates weddings. So if you have a wedding coming up, she's your person. She also has a background in early childhood education. And she talks about a program that she led called Downtown Explorer. She mentions it here. And I've gotten to meet a lot of the Downtown Explorers because they're, they were children and now they're closer to my age. And she's a ceramicist. We talk about her getting back into that. She's a real artist of life and someone I love so much. And I I'm very excited for you to hear my catch up with her and eavesdrop on a really organic personal conversation. So thank you for being here. If you are, you know, just finding this podcast, cool. I hope you stay. If you've been here for any length of time, it means so much. And I hope to be doing it for another eight years and more podcasts. Serena and I just started recording season three of Spiraling, our anxiety, mental health, humorous show that we co-host. And I love connecting and having conversations on the record like this, which is a strange thing to say, but it's true. All right. Talk to you soon. Welcome to Sasha Jones, Stigley Holistics NYC, my best friend. (laughs) This is our yearly conversation where Sasha comes back on the podcast and I have, I know we did one last year, but I have no recollection of doing it or what we talked about. Do you? I really can't remember. I was doubting whether we'd done it even. <laughs> we definitely did. It must have been peak pandemic around this time last year. But Sasha, if you don't know, is one of my favorite people in the world, one of the most creative people in the world, just the best. <laughs> and you can listen to, more episodes with her on Let It Out because there's a plethora. We did like a, a proper interview with Sasha and we should we should do that again at some point too. But what we started doing a couple, several years ago, maybe five years ago, because I know I was in Michigan 
for at least one or two of those conversations. And then I was in New York for one of one or two of them. And then we definitely did one last year when I was here that we don't seem to remember. But every year around my birthday, it started out as Sasha interviewing me and hosting this podcast. And we decided to keep the tradition going. And this year was just so wild. And, and we haven't gotten a chance to catch up in a minute. So today's going to be less of an interview and more of just a, a conversation between the two of us. But I'm so happy that you're here and I'm so grateful. And this will be a little time capsule of you know my birthday on Let It Out. Yay. Happy almost birthday. Thank you. Thank you. And happy seven, wait, let's see, eight years of this podcast. Yeah. And that's eight years of knowing you almost as of of the summer solstice. Wow. Oh, right. That's our friend birthday. (laughs) People can go back and hear the, our meet cute because it is very good. (laughs) (laughs) I think we must've spoken last year because you turned 30 last year, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 30 on the 30th last year. Yeah. So I sort of have a memory of talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah me too. It'd be interesting to listen to. Oh God. I feel like it'd be really cringy to listen <laughs> to for me because the thing I'm feeling this year more than anything, and I just wrote about this on Let It Out's Instagram in like a essay of a caption where Instagram sent me a notification of my book like it had been five years this year since that that book came out. And I cringe at elements of it of like, oh man, the, the cover and I'm wearing a flower crown. And well, you know, it feels very who I was then because I was, you know, I think, and you can speak to this more with more experience, but I have changed so much from 25 when I wrote it to 30 for sure. But or almost nearly 31. But the interesting thing is the in the last year, I feel entirely different from who I was a year ago. And I think part of that is the fact that I've never, you know, had a year that was a global pandemic before. So I think that has changed all of us. And then I think personally and situationally, I I moved across the country and made a bunch of new friends and in a new space. And then also a year where I haven't traveled at all. So much just changed situationally and collectively, but I really do feel so different than who I was and almost... But what I wrote about in the post was why do we cringe at old versions of ourselves? Do we not want to, is growth embarrassing? You know, like, would it be better that we were stagnant and exactly the same as we were before? Because I think it's actually good that we've grown, you know? And it's like normal that we feel distance from an old version of ourselves because that means we've changed and evolved. What do you think about that? And do you do you feel a particular change within this year? I know you've had such a, as we all have, but in, in many personal ways for you, such a complex year. So I'm curious. Yeah. I, I Well, for the first part of that, definitely, I look back and on everything I've written 
ever and cringe. And it's, it's so strange because at the moment I feel proud of what I've done and, right. you know, I press send and it goes, but then I look back and, and, and sometimes it's even just the font that I used in a particular yeah. thing. And, you know, we've just got to remember that everything changed. It, it's, it's like looking back at a particular fashion choice or something right. that was, that was relevant at the time and you know I think we should be a little bit more forgiving and then there's that always then when a number of years goes by and you look at photos of yourself you're like oh I I was young then when I always said I looked old (laughs) yeah so it comes in in both ways I think yeah that's so true because there's also what I said in that essay was that quote from Josh's movie that I know you've you've heard me say or I've said to you how one of the characters says, every five years, I realize how much of an asshole I was five years before, you know? And I think I've done it in the opposite way where I'll look back at like my discipline that I had before and be like, wow, I really had it together back then, you know? And I can't seem to like string two words together. And I was writing so many essays back then or my energy level or my you know, ability to whatever. I think that like the opposite of cringing, like actually looking back and being like, I guess that's maybe nostalgia or romanticizing something, but which I also do. So it's funny of like, I cringe at my past self and I'm also so nostalgic. (laughs) Exactly. And definitely the same. Do you feel like you have changed a particular amount from the past year more so than, I mean, I guess that's a kind of strange question to ask, but yeah. Do you feel like this year has, has changed you and in, in what ways? Oh, I definitely do. I think it's a very broad question and it has multiple chapters. So we could, you know, do a whole series on that. I think (laughs) one of the things I, I think about with this pandemic year plus is that there are so many chapters the chapters of it just in in general of what was happening and and you know the what we didn't know early on and as we were growing and learning new things but also just all the individual stories that have happened within it i was thinking how you know every there's still stories and movies being made about world war 2 75 years later because there's so many human stories so many individual perspectives and different angles and and i feel like that maybe true with the pandemic as well because not only have we all had our own experience with it but our own stories have had the pandemic as a backdrop which has changed changed the story you know by by putting the pandemic in the background has changed things that if they'd happened at a different time would look really different and so i just think the possible i mean there's just like that we could ne- never stop telling or hearing stories about this this year Mm-hmm. But personally, yes, it has been such a year and uh, I've had myself many, many chapters of it just personally. Like it, it started off of just sort of that panic and just get out of the city as fast as possible. And we packed like we were fleeing a war, you know, we just like got out and uh, then like, oh, we forgot this, we forgot that. And then there was the concern about being unemployed and being on the phone as probably many of us remember just like hours and hours and hours of trying to get through to unemployment (laughs) 
And then that settled in a little bit and started getting into just making and crafting and baking and cooking and all those things. And then almost exactly a year ago, I lost one of my closest friends to suicide. And that was, it just like took the rug from beneath yeah. me and, and her community. And that was, that always shakes you up and changes things when, when somebody dies in that manner, I think. She was 39. So it was just like, oh. And just such a sparkly, magnetic, kind person that I didn't get to spend a ton of time with. But in the interactions that I had with, it's just such a light. And it was just such a, yeah, really, really heavy. Yeah. And not being able to grieve that, like not being able to, she, there was a funeral, but it was small as was allowed by law then you know we we could have gone and risked being thrown out or not being allowed in and it was a long drive to get there so we didn't go and you know it it, and I still I'm feeling that like that closure is possibly an overused word but it's something that I just feel like we haven't told her story we haven't shone so much light on the beauty of her yet there was there's been so much focus on the pain that she was in and you know, how she died and, and those kind of things. So there's this sort of a hole, maybe. I'm not sure if that's the correct word, but I just still need something around yeah. that. Yeah. And then two months on from that, I had a really bad accident and I really messed up my hand really badly, my dominant hand. And that led to three surgeries in two months and just another one recently. And a missed summer. And, you know, and, and it's funny when I, you know, now I'm so much better than I was. So it's, it's easier for me to talk about now, but I was thinking like, oh gosh, this is the time where I have all this time off and I could be creating and making. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't even do the dishes or cook or anything. So that's just been life changing in and of itself, just by being my dominant hand. And it's funny, you know, I remember Liz, Gilbert always talks about before she writes a book, she has to do the alphabetize her spice rack. And I always feel like before I do anything, I need to do the dishes and I haven't been able to do that. And so it, it, this one thing has rippled effect into many, many things, emotional, mental, physical, just been very, very blocked. And that happened in mid June and was in the, darkest darkest place I've ever been in my life until November and really only really recently like maybe a few days I've started to come into a new place because I had another surgery a month or so ago but I haven't told you this yet but yesterday I did something really big and very exciting I threw I knew you were going to say that. Oh my God. Well, I'll just say this. When Sasha told me about this injury, I was like, I mean, obviously I was like so sad for my friend, but what I said to, to you and like what I kept thinking of was like, God, like this would be tragic if it happened to anyone, period. Hurting yourself, especially a hand is like really hard and challenging. But then if it happens during a pandemic where you have so much more space and time to use your hand and need to use your hands, that would be even more heartbreaking. But then on top of that, to you of all people, someone who, like I said at the top, is so creative, is a 
brilliant ceramicist and is someone who's sewing and making people things and making art and doing dishes and cooking like it really is on another level and so hearing that feels so 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 good so how did it go did it feel good it really did it's i you know i pro- i think on monday my occupational therapist said okay the stitches look good you you can just do anything now like as long as your hand feels it and i was like so i called my friend who lives up close to here and i said she was planning to come and she hadn't thrown since college so it was you know i said do you want to come this thursday let's just do it and i was so unprepared like we had messed up my stu- i couldn't find any equipment and it was one of those cases of don't try and be ready first just start mm-hmm. and she was a perfect person because she she's a really gentle person who doesn't and never feel judged by her ever but also she hadn't done it for a long time but i still i didn't need to teach her she wasn't trying to teach me we just could sit there and talk and make and it was a a really good balance while she was there i whipped up like three little pieces i'm still very weak so i couldn't use a lot of clay but then everyone was a keeper and then after she left i and i went back down and i did another few so i have eight bowls drying down in the basement wow oh my god i'm looking at a sasha bowl right now that i have a little dish and then i'm also looking at something that i made that's very bad <laughs> oh it's it's amazing and i i it wasn't until later that the emotions of it hit me, you know, I was just like, yeah. I was just kind of doing it and looking at my hand and watching it and seeing like the one finger won't, won't do anything, but it was just very interesting. And I, I felt like, Oh yeah, I don't really have the words. I just was so emotional and excited. And I kept saying my hand works, my hand works. <laughs> oh, I so. love that so much that, that is so needed and just that's incredible because i think getting that momentum up for you is so important and like you said like just jumping into it like i've gotten that way too about like what you were saying about the dishes like i could work in kind of anywhere you know when i was in new york like i I never really felt like the places i lived were mine and so therefore I didn't really feel that sense of like, got to do the dishes and this and then clear space. Yeah. But then, and I could, you know, work from any coffee shop and just, and I, and that's sort of, sort of all I did. But then when I moved in here, I was not getting anything done because I was constantly cleaning. Like that was my distraction was just like, I felt like I was like, well, I can't, actually work on this because I, I didn't clean underneath the bed and then I have to do like there was always something and I mean I live in just the one room but still it was like a lot I, I felt this this space clearing and so in creative underdogs or I'm renaming it to in process this this group that I've been doing I it's cyclical right so it's four months and so it, the first month is clear space the second month is gather so like gather inspiration gather you know get your shit together gather what you need and then it's try things you just got to go you got to try things and then it's share and then it's cyclical and you start again but what's interesting is like sometimes 
you don't have time to clear the space or you can't clear the space or you're not going to do it at all. And you can't really gather everything. You just need to start with try, you know, and then you can do the space later or you can do these other things later. Because I think for people like us who, you know, have, have so much we want to be doing and so many ideas and what we lack is time you have to prioritize what you're going to do on that wheel, you know, and not, yeah. the, not the ceramics wheel, like the wheel of the cycle yeah, yeah. I explained, but like, yeah, I think it's, it's worth, yeah, that that's really worth, worth sharing. And then the other thing I wanted to pick up on, on what you said before about closure and grief, I guess it kind of relates because ultimately like sticking with an order of things or a timeline, that's one thing that this year has taught us too. And we probably talked about this in last year's episode of like that time, the beginning of it felt so primal to me in a way. It felt like we were all stripped of a lot of the things that make us society human beings where it's like, I have to be at this place at this certain time and I have to go to, you know, like nobody had anything. So we could, someone could just call you in the middle of the day and like, you might answer, you know, or like it was just this this kind, it kind of felt like it was like those days between Christmas and New Year's where everyone's kind of like discombobulated. It felt like that the first month or couple months in a non-celebratory way, but totally different, but just that like un, not a sense of normalcy. And I think with that, that taught us and, and with your, with your hand, like, I think we, we talked about this of like, Cause I know we believe this of like, all right, I don't know if I remember having a conversation with you about this. Like I remember where I was when we, we were talking about your hand and, and I was just really sad for you. But, and I was like, I don't know if I believe everything happens for a reason. Like, I don't actually think that that, and like, we were talking about some of the, like not problematic, but like not helpful things people said to you during that time. Yeah. Yeah. And how, whether that's true or not, like, I remember talking to Andrew Bird about that on on the podcast and and he was like, yeah, I don't believe that everything happens for a reason, but I think that making a reason or choosing to make something work for you in your mind, like protect yourself from your own mind is useful if you can do it. But sometimes I know I can't, like my mind just pummels me and I'm like, I'm just, I can't be, I'm not even in the space to do that. But what I would, my, my original point of like doing things out of order, like this year taught us that we could, it taught us that things are like not really as rigid as they, there's been an illusion that they have to be. And so even going back to grief and grieving and closure, it's like, that loop doesn't have to be in that order. You know, that loop doesn't have to be in, in any order. And and with closure, someone said this to me about something so different, but I, I was really wanting to have a closure conversation with someone. And I kept like trying to do it and like not being able to get it out again and again and again until so much time passed where I was like, well, now it's just closed because like I never yeah. got to say my thing and my I never got to like say my feelings or shoot my shot or whatever and my friend said to me she was like there's no expiration date on feelings like you could still say all of that stuff way later or 
maybe not at all, or maybe they'll lessen, or you can you can say it later. Maybe there will be a time. And that's true. Like I, I could maybe have that conversation if I still want to. And reading the room on when there would be a time where that could happen. And also I wouldn't be attached to like needing a certain outcome from it where I could just, I'm no, I'm saying it for me. It's been too close. I've been too like charge to be able to do that. But maybe at some point I will, or maybe it will just lessen in me. Who knows? But I think living in that uncertainty, in my case with this, you know, fairly trivial situation feels a bit uncomfortable because it's like, I think we're people who want to just be like, I want to nip this in the butt. Like I want the uncertainty to be over. I want the loop to be closed. And I think even in, in grief, like it's nonlinear and there's like a part of you that's like, I want to feel this. I want there to be some some closure, some some ending or some celebration. And I think there's been so much undoneness this year as a whole that, you know, maybe we're clinging on to to parts of things even more. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's certainly I think that neither of us are linear by nature anyway, right? And so yeah. we still live in a a linear society that sort of things are done in a certain way and this, there's a certain order to things and but realizing that you can shake up the order is is important it's good and we have we have all been taught that yeah yeah i wrote down a couple of things that i wanted to chat with you about the first being daily constitutionals <laughs> <laughs> can you talk about that yeah so leading up to my accident, I have been doing yoga for 20 years or something. And Mike and I had at home been doing a home yoga practice and we were at something like day 550 or something. Of, I would participate with you often. Exactly. And we just often met- in 2019, I would I just feel like this is relevant. I would ask Sasha what she was doing most mornings and you would tell me like, oh, I'm going to yoga. I'm going to this and that. I didn't even want to go to yoga, but I would often just like come to like be around you. And I don't know if you remember this, but sometimes I would like sit on my mat or like go out in the hallway for a minute. I just wanted to hang. <laughs> I do remember that. I would like, follow you around like a puppy. <laughs> it's like, she's in child's pose the whole class. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. So go on. So, so you're doing yoga 500 so, days of summer yeah. of yoga. Of just us doing um, at, an at-home practice. It was really lovely. And, you know, sometimes that was just, I mean, one time I had tr- taken, it almost took me 24 hours to get from here to my sister's house because of plane delays and all the things. And it wasn't Australia I was going to, it was England. So it should have been much faster. And before I went to bed, I was like, I have to get my yoga practice in. Oh my gosh. Anyway, that's just to say, this was a really important thing. And then when I first hurt myself and I had the first surgery, we still did hands-free yoga for um, a few weeks until it got my finger got really infected and I had to go back. And then things just got bad. Then I didn't do anything. And it was not just, it it wasn't about exercise, but it was about sort of things that were me. And I wasn't even walking, which I've always done a lot of walking. And And it wasn't, my legs were fine. You know, it was just that I was too afraid to venture too far. 
And then I don't actually remember when it was, but sometime in the fall, I just got this information arrived in my brain saying, you need to walk to heal. And it was like, that's how it landed with me, like walk to heal. And so I started taking, I started walking and I started calling it my daily constitutional um, because that way it made it more than I'm walking to do an errand. It was like, I'm going on this very intentional thing. And most days, because I'm, you know, I guess I'm pretty challenge driven in that, you know, counting how many days I do things, but I, uh, um, I just started walking and walking and walking. And even through the worst of the winter, you know, the winter up here where we are in upstate New York is brutal. If you remember, you spent a week here and didn't go outside once. (laughs) I think we went out one day. We went out on Valentine's Day. We had a big outing. (laughs) But you went from from house to car to cafe, I think, right? True. True. (laughs) And it, actually really, 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 truly was healing because it was the only time that I didn't need my hands and therefore I didn't think about them. There was, you know, my hands were in mittens or, you know, and sometimes I listened to stories and sometimes I listened to podcasts and sometimes I just walked, but I, in neither of those, none of those days did I ever think about my hand and therefore I could start healing and I just, it it became this vital thing for me. And it it doesn't actually feel so crucial now. Uh, You know, it's spring, I'm doing other things. We're doing yoga again since Valentine's Day. So it it doesn't feel so urgent as it, as it once did, but it, it was so incredible. It was just so healing. And I tried to photograph something every single day and put that on Instagram as a way of having accountability. I didn't really care if anybody was going to check up on me or anything, but it was, uh, you know, you know how it is with social media, you have these accountability things and that's how it felt. Yeah. I, I think as you know, walking is, is such a addiction of mine or favorite thing of mine, but I really doubled down on, on that. I'm so happy you had that and I'm so happy that that happened. And thank you for, for sharing that here. And I remember you said the word, I remember voice texting you and being like, what is a daily constitutional? Like you said it to me before you had like talked about it in, in your newsletter and on social media, you just like said it in passing, like, oh, you were on your daily constitutional. I was like, what is that? Is that like a, a English thing? Like, I have no idea what that, that word is, but I really like it as an intentional walk because I, I loved going on walks even when I lived in Michigan, but that was my favorite thing about New York is that it's such a functional exercise city, you know, like you are by nature moving quite a lot. I mean, where both of us lived in the East Village or in your apartment still is, is up several flights of stairs. I'm always winded when I get up to the top and then you know, even if you're taking the subway, you're walking up a bunch of stairs and I would, you can get places faster sometimes by walking than taking the subway. And I loved that. That was my favorite part. Other than being in the same neighborhood as you and Mike, that was my favorite part of living in New York is how walkable and, and easy that, that was. And I always wanted that my whole life. And I'm really grateful that 
I live in this neighborhood and where my apartment is, is so walkable. And, you know, as you know, I do have a car and this is definitely a driving city, but I have made it very walkable to the point where, you know, my friends kind of laugh at me, but like I treat LA like it is New York and I'm, I'm walking a lot. And at the beginning of the pandemic, it was just all I did because I didn't really know anyone. I didn't really have any friends and I would just walk and walk and walk. And I would send so many voice texts and I would talk to you and I would talk to Carolina almost every night. She was in New York then for hours. And I would talk to, I would call people I hadn't talked to in a while. And there's something about walking and talking on the phone that I really enjoy because I feel like I can really focus and concentrate with the person and I'm not distracted by being in in my house and wanting to clean or wanting, you know, there's no other people around. And I'm also not just like, I'm too antsy to just be sitting and talking where I feel like I can do that with people in person, but on the phone, it's more challenging for me. And I always really like voice texting because I feel like I can lock in and say exactly what I want to say and then really listen and maybe listen twice. And it becomes this like audio letter writing. And I'm in these voice text exchanges with my friends in Australia and my friends in New York and my friends in my friend Joey in England. And and I check in with them, you know, every week we kind of, you know, send 10, 20 minutes back and forth, sometimes longer. And it's so nice to always have that in my pocket where like when I was feeling so lonely of like, living alone, working alone, not really seeing people, knowing that I had, you know, 20 minutes from Aaron and Noah in Australia to to listen to in the morning, like got me out of bed or even knowing like I had, you know, five minutes from Sasha that I was going to listen to. And I I would kind of ration it and, and save it. And it felt like this, this bit of connection. And I think, yeah, I just want to encourage anyone who like hasn't voice texted their friends and gone on walks or called a friend like to just do it call someone out of the blue try it like it might freak them out but they might answer they might call you back and i think that's another thing i like about voice text is i did this episode of the podcast a couple months ago with this doctor who came out with five types of rest and one of them was actually to be honest with you in this moment i don't remember any of them but um <laughs> like she made this they were really good and we'll link to the episode. I really liked that episode. They're just not coming to my mind at this moment. But what I do remember and the point I wanted to make was that she said that people, you, people think they want the most immediate version of you, but what they actually want is the best version of you. And so I really tried to be better with boundaries in the last couple months because I I'm really grateful for my friends. And I feel like I have some really, really great close friends, which is something else I want to talk to you about, Sash, because I think we're we're similar in this way. But um, being here, I felt more connected to a community than I ever did in New York or anywhere else that I've ever lived. And I feel so grateful for that. And it just kind of happened that way. And it's what I've always wanted, which is cool. But at the same time, I felt like I had so many people calling me and, and wanting to do something and want, which, which is what, again, what I've always wanted, but I was feeling like I'm not getting anything done and I don't even like know where my brain is at. And I'm, and then I was like answering the phone when I really should have like waited 
finish the thing I needed to finish and then called them back, you know? And I'm really trying to like practice that of like, people might not want the, they, you know, give them the best version of you, which is like meditate first, go on your walk first or do, you know, and even if that means the timing is, is off or you don't catch them. And so I think I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm just balancing, balancing that, but walking to, to, you know, dock the boat about walking. It is my favorite form of exercise. It is my favorite thing to do. It is my addiction. It is, I walk and walk and walk so much to the point where I've like hurt my feet before and needed to like take it down a little bit. But hiking here and and walking to this hike that I do every morning is so nourishing. And I was, I don't know if I told you this, Sash, but like around the holidays around Christmas time, the weather was so nice here and it was so warm and beautiful. And it was the first year I hadn't gone anywhere and I wasn't really doing that much. And I remember I heard Phoebe Bridgers say this on a podcast about how she goes on like weirdly long walks. And that's like what, that's just what she does. Like very, very long walks. And, you know, like you said, sometimes she's listening to things, music or podcasts or talking to people or whatever. And, and I, I do the same. It made me feel less alone in that. And in the summer or not the summer, it's so wild to not have the season to track time here. But in the winter, I guess it was around Christmas time, I was doing like two a days where this walk that I do, it's by where I used to live. But now where I live is about 25 minutes from like where I would, it's now made my walk 25 minutes there and 25 minutes on the way home longer. So like a full hour longer, basically. And but I still do it because I got used to it in this old place that I lived. So now I was doing that walk hike in the morning. And then I was also doing it in the evening. I was doing two a days and like watching the sunset up there. And there's this whole group of these older dudes who like sometimes bring up a telescope and they'll just be standing They're like old dads, but they know me like that. My friends know that I know them. It's like, Vic and Ali and they're like, Hey, Katie, how are you? You know? And it's just this, that that's another thing that I think I really missed from the the pandemic that I want to write a bit about is like familiar strangers, you know, acquaintances like that is, they're a part of our community, you know, individual communities that we've gone without and having some sense of those. And I know Sash, like you're so part of a neighborhood like you have a community wherever you go and i think i've you know taken after you in that way and you know from having you in my life like seeing that to expand me to see that that's something i want and you know i think i've really created for myself here in a way that like i've kind of thought of you of like okay when i moved into this apartment it kind of reminded me of you when you moved into to your apartment maybe and how you know, I, your apartment is somewhere that is so meaningful to me in New York, but also like meeting all of your friends that you've had for years who have like lived in the neighborhood or, you know, and hearing stories of, of you there. I'm like, Oh, I feel like I'm kind of finally getting my version of that, um, now. And, and so anyway, so basically walking is great. Having a neighborhood is great and having friends is great, but having some boundaries would be even better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I think that um, one thing about this 
this pandemic time has things have become more local. Like I've been spending time with neighbors and going on walks with people who live close by. And those are things that probably wouldn't have happened otherwise. Just sort of that really localized thing because we can't travel or go far or spend time inside with people that taking a walk and with the people who live close by is the thing to do. Yeah. I feel bad for the people in countries like the UK where they haven't really been allowed out of their houses. So their their limitations have been much greater than ours. Yeah, I don't know how I would have done this without walking. Like walking is when I'm most present. It's when I'm most, like I sound like I'm really overhyping this thing that it, it's kind of like journaling. Like I'm glad I picked journaling as the thing that I talk about a lot because it's free and it's been around forever and anybody can do it. And I think it's the same with walking. Like there's something about that. And I like what you said about it being local. Like I, I'm happy I ended up here in this neighborhood. I'm, I'm kind of itching to get out because I've really been here in this neighborhood for over a year, but there's a comfort to that, you know, like what does a neighborhood mean to you? And like, do you miss being in New York and being in the, the East village? I'm so happy that you had your place upstate to be able to go to in this, but I'd love to hear about that. Well, it's funny because when we did start dipping back in to the East village, we've been back and forth, like going to doctor's appointments and things like that. And I've done a couple of weddings, but I, in the beginning, it was strange because everything was so closed down or the, all the restaurants had outdoor seating and it just felt really, it felt different. And when you, when I would run into people that I know, there were no hugs and, you know, it's sort of like air hugging from six feet away and things. So it didn't feel the same. And then when we were back most recently, I felt very overwhelmed by how crowded everything is. I mean, it was, it was beautiful weather and that it's always like that where everybody just comes out from, you know, their hibernation and it, it really overwhelmed me to be in such a crowded situation. Um, I'm still feeling a little bit nervous about getting sick and, you know, so um, in terms of miss, I don't know. I think I, d I don't really miss anything particular. What I miss most is being able to go to the UK and see my family, especially I have uh, now one-year-old and two-year-old niece and nephew, and they were really little. They were babies when I saw them. My, my brother's kid, Oliver, was one day old, and now he's 15 months. <laughs> so that's what I'm missing in terms of. Yeah. But the neighborhood stuff is very important to me, and I really do like being able to walk everywhere and find my favorite coffee shops and things. I, in fact, there's a new coffee shop that opened up in the Lower East Side. And when I'm there, I go every day. So I'm definitely all about craving that local connection and getting to know the people who work in a certain place and things. But I do think it's something you can find wherever you are. Yeah, it, it's funny. It, and I feel like me working at the shop in my neighborhood, I, I was thinking about this today. I was like, wow, you missed acquaintances so much. You missed familiar strangers that you became one to other people by getting this job, you know? Yeah, that's so beautiful. So do you have your regulars? Yes. 
there's actually a lot of people who have moved here from New York. And so, you know, they'll come in and they'll be like, oh, where do you live? And I'll, I'll tell them and I'll be like, yeah, but I used to live over here. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, where are you from? And I tell them, I'm like, well, I'm from Michigan, but I moved here from New York. And I give the whole story. And and then they'll be like, oh, I also moved here from New York. And then we'll talk about New York and we'll talk about places we knew there. And then they'll tell me places I'd like here if I liked those places there. And that's been nice. And just, yeah, I do have regulars. And it, it, I mean, mostly the most regular thing is that every day at the shop feels like a party that I'm hosting where all my friends come in. Oh, and so that's really exciting because they all come in to visit me. And, you know, last night I had maybe six of them at the same time. And so then they get to meet each other. They don't know each other, but a lot of them do or do now. And that's been cool. And I think in this particularly great because there's not a lot of like shared meeting places or times. And that has been really cool and special and yeah, I, I just really, I think you've known this about me, but I really craved a community and something that I've always really admired with you. And, and when I moved to New York, for whatever reason, never really had. And I think maybe because I was kind of like one foot in, one foot out, or, you know, I had a lot of friends there for sure. And, you know, I obviously had you and you included me in your life in, in such a really kind way. And that made me feel grounded there. And that was really important to me. But I also felt like all of my friends there or many of my friends there like never really knew each other or, and maybe that's just how New York was, but I was kind of like out for the day and running around and doing a bunch of things where here, and I don't know if this is LA or LA in the midst of a pandemic, because to me, I only know that version of it so far, but it feels more connected and it feels like, you know, my friends have met each other and they kind of know each other, have mutual friends. And, and you know, uh, hey, it's, it's felt more intimate. A lot of like, a lot of my friends in New York, like I never saw their apartments, you know, or like now it's like, I, we didn't have anywhere to go. So we would go to people's houses and their yards and inside, you know, people's houses and it bonds you. And I, I'm just really grateful for that happening. And, I was saying to Sash before we started recording, we were talking about our vaccines and and that when the good parts of it not being a pandemic return, such as going out to dinner and traveling, the parts that I got used to not having to deal with, like indecision and overwhelm will also come back. And I'm just anticipating that and and not excited for it. Yeah, I think that's a common feeling. I think that's sweeping the world at that just dread. Because I think yeah. we all were, I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people were looking for a, a big shakeup in a big, in a big way, in a big way that we knew how to articulate, but things did need to change. It's, you know, certainly Mike's really much happier working from home. And I think a lot of people feel that way. They don't miss their commutes. They don't miss corporate world, even though they're still doing the same jobs. I don't know. There's a lot of feeling of like, I don't want things to go back. People just want to hug, go to restaurants and be able to travel again. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we do not want to go back to. And that's a, co a big collective feeling, I think. 
So well said. Hug restaurants travel. That is all we need back. Everything else can stay. <laughs> exactly. Maybe the movies. We could. Oh, the one. movies for sure. I miss the movies. God, I miss meeting you at the movies for sure. I am very excited that this episode is sponsored by Apostrophe, a prescription skincare company for people that are ready to take their acne seriously. Prescription acne treatments really work, but they can be hard to get and you might have to take time off work to go see a doctor and sit in line at the pharmacy to wait for your medications until Apostrophe. Apostrophe makes it easy to see a board certified dermatologist online. You'll get treated immediately and your medications are delivered to your home. Simply fill out Apostrophe's online questionnaire about your skin concerns and your medical history, and then you just snap a couple selfies and your dermatologist will get back to you with a customized treatment plan that's tailored just for you and your skin. The best part is that Apostrophe offers topical and oral medications so you can treat your acne from the inside out, outside in, whatever you need. Apostrophe treats acne for sure, but they can also help you hit all your skincare goals like reducing redness wrinkles even dark spots so for me i happen to have all of the above redness wrinkles dark spots and i am really liking what i'm getting from apostrophe the experience is great it comes in this really chic packaging it's really easy to use i'm using this retin-a cream that i think is helping with all of it and knock on wood I, my acne's been in check everything is really really nice I, I liked the whole experience so much so i think you might like it too get 15 dollars off your first visit with a board certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com let it out and use the code let it out that's only available to our listeners so to get started go to apostrophe.com let it out and click begin visit and then use the code let it out to sign up and you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's apostrophe.com slash let it out and use the code let it out to get $15 off. And we thank apostrophe so much for sponsoring this podcast. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition made with really high quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science backed and it's free of any fillers and contains less than three grams of sugar per serving. I really love Organifi's green juice. It has all the superfoods that are essential, including ashwagandha that helps support reducing stress and healthy cortisone levels. I also love their Organifi Gold, which is the superfood tea that supports rest and relaxation. And they have a red juice that I really love that's really energizing with zero caffeine. Each Organifi blend is easy to use. You simply mix it with water or your favorite beverage while on the go, and you don't have to compromise quality for taste. Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market. I can attest to this. They're truly incredible. And they end up working out to be pretty cost effective, less than $3 a day, which I really love. So go ahead and browse the Organifi shop at Organifi.com and use the code let it out for 20% off all Organifi products. Go to Organifi.com and use the code let it out for 20% off all Organifi products. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. It's really cool that Sakara is a supporter of this podcast. 
feeling your best really has a lot to do with eating enough food and getting the nutrients that you need. And that's why I really love Saqqara. I even had Saqqara's founders, Whitney and Danielle, on the podcast years ago when I was in New York City. Saqqara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. Their organic, ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-based ingredients. They're so good. They're delicious. I have some in my fridge. The menu is creative and chef-crafted and tastes so good. Every single meal of the day is delivered to your door fresh anywhere in the U.S. And the menu changes weekly, so you'll never get bored. And here's something cool. Along with delicious plant-rich meals, Saqqara also offers daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support nutrition. And you can experience the transformative power of plants with their best-selling metabolism super powder. It's made with organic raw cacao and it works to boost energy and minimize sugar cravings and reduce fatigue. Saqqara has received many rave reviews everywhere from Vogue to the New York Times. And right now, Saqqara is offering our listeners 20% off your first order if you go to saqqara.com slash let it out and enter the code let it out at checkout. That's Saqqara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash let it out to get 20% off your first order. Saqqara.com slash let it out. This is completely unrelated, but a little bit related to New York. And it just you posted the photo recently and it it just made me so happy. Can you tell us about Bill Cunningham and the photo that he took of you and just tell that story? Because I don't think you've told it on the podcast. I don't think I have. So I think it was, yeah, it was the summer of 2009. And there was an event that happened in New York every year of every Saturday in August, they closed the they closed the streets to traffic from the Brooklyn Bridge all the way up to 72nd Street and Central Park. Uh, not all streets, obviously, just uh, it was Lafayette Street and Park Avenue. And it was almost so it was always so fun as a cyclist to just like be free of traffic and it was Mike and I would do it every year. We'd stop on the, in the middle of Park Avenue and have a picnic and we'd just go zooming around. And there's this part near Grand Central. It's like sort of a little bit of a downhill tunnel. And you really literally take your feet off the pedals and go, Wee! and it's so, so much fun. Anyway, this one time uh, we did it and didn't think much of it. But the following Sunday, our friend Catherine called and said, uh, you need to get the New York Times. Uh, you're in it <laughs> in, the, in this on the streets section, the style section of the magazine. And sure enough, Bill Cunningham had taken. Well, at the time we thought it was my photo. We've just recently seen an updated copy that, of the full photo where Mike is actually in it too. Mike is fully in it. <laughs> that wasn't in the paper. Oh, really? Yeah, it was just that they'd cut cut the picture. But the, um, I was wearing a red polka dot dress with a big crinoline petticoat underneath. And many people look at that photo and they say, I feel sick. I'm going to, I think you're going to get your dress caught in your spokes. But it, it wasn't like that. It was, it was super fun and fabulous. And I had no idea that we'd been photographed. And then our wedding anniversary, our first wedding anniversary was that 
following that September that year. And so Mike actually wrote to Bill Cunningham and said, you know, you took the, uh, oh, and first of all, Bill Cunningham did a, he used to do, um, he used to narrate the pictures on a, on the online version. And he said, and this piece de resistance is this woman in her red tool. <laughs> it was so wonderful. Mm. Yeah, so Mike wrote to him and he wrote back a handwritten letter and he had sent a, a, like a photocopy of the picture, but also a photocopy of another picture we hadn't seen of me coming in the other direction. And I'm just like smiling like the biggest, crinkliest face smile in the world. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So good. It makes me so happy. And then they put out this book, this tabletop book, and there's a two-page spread of Sash with that photo in the anthology book that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, and that was fun because I was in the uh, a museum. <laughs> I was in a museum gift shop near Central Park in 77th Street. Uh, it's in New York. Oh, when you looked at it? Yeah, and I was I was only browsing around because I was doing a wedding there, and I just had some time. And I was like, "Oh, a new Bill Cunningham book." And I just and it's the book is set up by decade, so it was easy to narrow down. And I opened it, and there's a double page of me, and I just started screaming and telling the people who worked there, "This is me! This is me!" And instead <laughs> of being like obnoxious, which they could have been, they they went and got the rest of the staff, and they were like, "Look at her." <laughs> That's so sweet. See, those are the moments. Those are the like New York moments that I miss. And I think talking about, you know, being in a shop like that and just browsing or Carolina was saying this the other day, like having a few moments between something and popping into a shop, like we haven't done that in so long, you know? And I think, yeah, Bill Cunningham is a great example of this. It's just like people watching, seeing humanity. And I love that story so much because of you being my friend, but also like the humanity of just being present and out in the world and allowing for serendipities. And I, I hope for more of that this year. And I, yeah, I, I, I just love that story. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's wrap up with, I could ask you the quick fire questions, but maybe we kind of ask each other. And if there's an, if you happen to think of any questions for me while we're chatting, feel free. I do want to know, first of all, like what your, when you say that you feel like a different person than a year ago, what, in what ways mostly would you say that? Well, I guess outside of the situational things, you know, like outside of that, I have like a whole new group of friends that I feel very close with now i think i'm someone who is so malleable in general but informed by my friends and informed by the people around me that i think that situational fact that i'm surrounded by a new group of people in a new place and have been in very intimate situations with lots of different people over the last year has informed me you know what i mean like new perspectives and new taste and things and i'm just living in such a completely different way where the conversations i'm having and the the friendship thing really is i think what it is where you know i've worked on a lot of codependency that i think i had and attachment issues that i think i had 
have for sure still that I'm, but I'm just more aware of them. And so I think I'm less like inwardly focused and I'm more outwardly focused on, on friends and community to the point where I think I've, I've been using it a bit as a distraction from my own creative work and my own growth of like really helping all of my friends all the time. And I think you gave me this advice when I was in New York and I was talking to you about friendship where, you know, I think we're both people who have a lot of friends and have a lot of close people in our lives. And at that time I was like, I feel like I was really having trouble with decision-making. I don't know if you remember this and like things I wanted to do. And, or maybe you were even frustrated with this with like friends of yours. And you were like, I am sometimes just say, I'm going to the museum at this time, whoever wants to join me, you know, instead of like waiting around for someone to invite you to something or like seeing when everyone's free. And, you know, that exact issue has been such a moot point recently, but that really helped me to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to, and that's something I actually want to challenge myself to starting now is like, instead of just waiting around for someone to call me to hang, to be like, hey, I want to cook this thing, come over on Tuesday, you know? And I haven't done that much. It's more been, you know, just kind of waiting around, not waiting around, but it's just sort of worked out that like people invite me to things and I haven't been like, I want to do this at this time and and reached out to people and I'm trying to to do that more. And I think that's also a boundary thing of like, because if I'm asking to do something, it means by nature, I will have finished the things I wanted to accomplish to be able to have the space to do that. And therefore I'll be more present. And, you know, it, and it's good to just like be spontaneous and, and let people reach out to you. But I think in that way, that is one way I feel different. And then the, the biggest way I feel different that I, I almost forgot to even mention is... God, everything feels different, but if this feels so far because this really started this summer, but you know, the the first couple of months of being 30, I guess, or the the pandemic when I got here, I tried to do the pandemic like I did New York where I was just like working all the time and like on a bunch of Zooms and like just like yeah, yeah. and then I moved into this this new house with people and I just thought they, I was so enamored by them and I was so unable to get anything done that I was just kind of like, Oh, I'm going to just not. And, and it was at a time where I was like really questioning my work and my, my voice and my like taking up space in the world that I just wasn't really doing much anyway. And I just leaned into that and I was like, all right, I don't know if this is LA or if this is the pandemic or, or what this is, but I veered so far in the opposite direction of overworking to really just resting and being present and letting, you know, things kind of come to me and, and be swayed really easily. And I think that was so good for me and maybe an overcorrection to spontaneity that, you know, then a couple of months ago, I was like, wait, I got to like get some work done and have a little bit of a schedule, <laughs> you know? But I think it was, as you know, hearing that, like such a departure from how I had been And now I think I have found a bit more balance where it's like, I'm not doing nearly as much and I am resting and I am just kind of like hanging out with friends a lot and barely working, but that's kind of okay. It's better than just spinning my wheels all day for not much of a result. Yes. Yes. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. I'd like 
try and find that balance too because I, you know, now my work is starting to pick up again and my hand works again and I want to do everything. I want to like garden and make things and also work and also see people that I haven't seen in a long time. And I like, okay, you've got, you've got to find a balance. It can't, you can't fling yourself back into that, that craziness. That's part of what needs to be addressed and take some lessons from this slow period of time. Yeah, exactly. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week oh my or God. in the last couple of months? It's, it's funny. We, you know, we've gotten into quite like, um, Monday is this food, Tuesday is this food. We were making our own veggie burgers, but we have discovered beyond meat. I think it's called, it's a veggie burger mixture. It's really good. So we, that's what we're, I'm just saying right now. Cause I'm looking at it. It's cause we're having that tonight. Um, Friday's Friday. always burger night. <laughs> that is not pandemic. That's been around for a while. <laughs> exactly. And then Mike has been making this really delicious cauliflower dal probably once a week. That is so delicious. And I just had some lunch before I got on the call with you. Oh gosh. Mike is making sourdough. Mike is making sourdough and I'm eating it, which has been really good because I haven't really been a- able to eat bread for coming up on 20 years now and it does it's good it's organic it's sourdough and so it doesn't hurt my belly um i've been making coffee on the weekend which is a pandemic thing i was a decaf girl and now i'm starting to have real coffee just on weekends but it's i make this really lovely italian stovetop coffee with coconut milk and a blend of different medicinal mushrooms and a teaspoon of Ceylon cinnamon and then I chuck that in the blender and it's so good. It's mm-hmm. like that every sip you have to go, oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> like, it's so good. <laughs> That's the opposite of don't yuck my yum. It's like <laughs> don't don't celebrate. I don't know. I don't have it, but <laughs> it's amazing. Well, I don't know if I told you this, but you were like the star of the show and last week's so it'll be three weeks ago now the episode with the founders of Fishwife, which is a tinned fish company that I love because I really love seafood and tinned fish. And we were saying that like, you know, people look at some foods like that and can be judgmental. And I gave them don't yuck my yum. <laughs> exactly. And we talked about you. Um, yeah. But the um, very favorite thing I do have to share. Okay, this. great. I have been making homemade truffles. Mm. And they are incredible. They're just incredible. And they're so easy to make. I got a recipe from Deliciously Ella from her app. And I've played with it a little bit. But it's basically 100% chocolate. Not, not nibs, but chocolate chips, basically. And um, a little maple syrup, coconut milk, full fat and cacao powder and then i've been putting in frozen wild blueberries or coconut flakes or cinnamon and they're just it's just heaven it's it's so uh, good and i've been giving them away and it's ah it's so good (laughs) i wish i could i wish you could give me some of those and a slice of mike's bread in one of those lattes i'd take one of those too please (laughs) yeah those are things i just really wish that you could send in a box to somebody because those are the things I love sharing. You know? I know, I know, I know. 
Do you remember being 31? Yes. <laughs> was it a particular year for you? Do you have any, it seems like, I don't know, it, thir- turning 30 was weird and wild because of the timing that I did, but turning 31, I'm like, oh, I'm in my 30s now. Well, when I was 31, I quit my job as a teacher. Well, it was, I was bartending a lot. It was the, the big like Y2K was coming up and everybody thought the world was going to blow up. Um, It was like, so that was, it turns out it didn't. That was last year. (laughs) (laughs) I know I was definitely sort of venturing out more on my own. I was doing downtown explorers a lot because I thought, I just assumed I was going to go get another teaching job and that didn't happen. And so I started doing the summer downtown explorers program that I've been doing in the summer then became an after-school program. And I think I was just sort of falling into doing my own thing more. I was a couple of years out of a long relationship and just, I was, yeah, I, was, I think it was a really good time actually. Mm. Can't be more specific, but yeah, that, I think it was good. That's nice to hear. I hope that, I hope it's the same for me. Anything else that you want to ask me or that you feel we should capture in this time capsule of my birthday episodes with you? Well, I know you'd like to ask the question about who would come to your dinner parties. And I definitely, definitely have to have Amber Ruffin and Seth Meyers at my dinner party because they have been making us laugh so hard. Like, I don't know if you are familiar with Amber Ruffin, but everybody needs to read her book with her sister, Lacey. You told me about her. Yeah. Amazing. And, but she, you know, the best quote I heard about her was that she, she makes you learn things by being cute and funny. And that's exactly right. You know, she talks about really big stuff, race issues and, and sexism and all the things, but she, she is hilarious. I mean, and part of my uh, physical therapy and healing has been that several times a day we have to, um, Mike has to help me bend my fingers. And to make that not unpleasant, we've been watching funny things. So we'll watch like clips from Seth Meyers and Amber Ruffin show and that. And they're just amazing. And so they have to be at my dinner party. Do you have any new people that are coming to yours? Hmm, that's a really good question. I'm not going to answer the like, you know, six people I kind of love and always think of. I I, I want to keep it present into this year, like new people I've discovered or gotten really intrigued by. And I'm trying to think, you know, I've watched less TV or movies this year than ever before. And I feel like I, yeah, I'm so behind on that. I'm, I'm like looking at my, my bookshelf too. And I, I've been reading a lot of things that I've like read before or by people who I know. So I don't have, I don't have an answer like that. I think I would just say, honestly, I would, I would love to see people I haven't seen in a minute. Like I'd love to have a dinner party with you and Mike, you know, or I'd love to have you here and meet my friends here that I think you'd really like and like just catch up. That would be more so than, yeah, I don't have a, notable celebrity person coming to mind that like has had a big 
impact on me this year. It's like you said, it's been so local. I've been so consumed by the the neighborhood and the people. And there's been something so comforting about that. I think of, you know, my friend Sophie said the other day, I was like telling her about not gossiping, but like something about a person that both of us knew. And she's like, God, I live for like the York Boulevard, like it's so comforting than talking about like our feelings or our families or like work or, you know, it's like, there's something about that. That's really comforting. So I would just say like people that I haven't seen in a long time, meeting people that I see all the time and having a good time together would be really fun. Yes. I, well, I definitely need that too. It's for sure. It's um, I think the examples that I gave have felt like they've been our best friends. (laughs) (laughs) They literally have been like in our every single day. And so it has almost felt like they're local friends, <laughs> but definitely I, I, I jump on a plane and have cozy meals with best friends and family and stuff. Like I really, really can't wait for that. Yeah. Well, I love you. This was the best. Thank you for doing this. Do you think we got everything? I think so. And I think we could just keep going either way. But I, but yeah, it's, um, it feels good. I ha- what are you doing for your birthday? Yeah, I think I'm going to do like a park thing. Like it ha- just kind of tell everyone like, hey, I'm going to have some snacks and drinks and a bunch of picnic blankets. Come hang out at the park with me if you want to, you know? And I think a lot of people are vaccinated and getting vaccinated and I feel good about that. And last year was so rough. You know, I tried to do like a Zoom thing and the internet didn't work and it was just whatever. So, you know, and the year before that, I was like really depressed. So like, I think no matter what, it's going to be an upper comparatively. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So it will be good. I wish you could be there. Me too. And thank you for asking me to do this again. It's really lovely. I'll talk to you next year. <laughs> I'll talk to you a ton before that, but also next year when I'm 32. All right. <laughs> Take good care. All right. That was my conversation with Sasha Jones of Stickly Holistics. Check out her latest nourishing group that she's leading people through. The link is in the show notes. If you need a wedding officiant, she's your person. She's tremendous. She sends out this beautifully written letter every Tuesday. So the link to sign up for that will also be in the show notes. I love Sasha. I love you. Thank you for listening. I guess the emoji of the week is, it's the palm tree. I'm looking outside at a palm tree right now. I was going to say the birthday cake, but I'm sure we've done that before. We've probably done the palm tree, but comment it on my Instagram, on Let It Out's Instagram, on Sasha's Instagram to let us know you're listening all the way to the end. Again, if you want to support this podcast, if you want to leave me a birthday present, leave a review on iTunes. It helps so much and supporting the sponsors genuinely helps more than you know. So that would be really nice. And I hope to talk to you very soon, like next week. All right. Love you. Bye.